Today is the 35th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear accident and the sounding of the third trumpet of Revelation 8. Well, we will discuss this and other undeniable proofs that we are living in the end time on today's edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, seven is a very key number in the book of Revelation. There are three groups of seven found in the book of Revelation. There's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. And on this edition of End of the Age, I'm going to analyze the seven trumpets and unveil what they, this mysterious prophetic symbols could be in our modern understanding. And I'm going to gear it towards the anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear accident. One of the most recognizable prophecies, if you understand it, that has happened in the last 2,000 years. So in the book of Revelation, really quick. The number seven is important. There are seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, and this makes up the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. The seven seals are the long story that end at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. In other words, the seals began to be opened way back almost, what, maybe um, 1,700 years ago? And then the seven trumpets, they're the shorter story but they too end at the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. They began in 1914. And then the seven vials are the real short story that end again at the second coming and the Battle of Armageddon. They all begin at different times, but they all end at the same time. Now, the seven vials do not actually take place un- until after the Mark of the Beast is administered. We know that because... When the first vial is unleashed, the Bible says it will be unleashed upon the people that have taken the mark of the beast and which has been doled out during the great tribulation period, that final three and a half years before the second coming in the battle of Armageddon. So from that, we know that it will all be enacted at the very end after the great tribulation. Now, Not only are the skeletal structures in the book of Revelation of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials, but the book of Revelation also has parenthetical chapters, explanatory chapters, which are kind of like color commentary. Uh, In addition to the main overview of the book of Revelation, sometimes there are additional chapters included. For example, chapter 12, that's a parenthetical chapter. Uh, It tells about the war in heaven when Satan is cast down, bound to the earth, and for the final three and one half years. That war in heaven has not taken place yet. That's a future war. Revelation 13 is a parenthetical chapter. It gives a view of like a one world government of the Antichrist, the one world religious system and the false prophet who will be the leader of that one world religion. 
and also the mark of the beast or the economic um, sanctioning system of the end time one world government. Uh, and then you have, um, so the understanding of the, the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation and that the other chapters are included to give their, a fuller understanding or a more explanatory um, of, the, of the topic and explanation with help. It helps us understand the book of Revelation as a whole. Once you understand the book of Revelation, man, it really opens up. And I've had even pastors say, I've never touched the book of Revelation. Just maybe chalk out of chapter one or mention the New Jerusalem or something like that. But everything in between, all the beast and the symbolism and different things, they're like, I've never even talked on that. But once they understand the symbolism, the structure, the segmentation of the book of Revelation, they, they're, they're start, they started preaching from it and talking about the end times. It really becomes understandable. One of the final examples of a parenthetical chapter would be chapter 17 and 18. These provide the identity of the ruler of the end time false religious system and God's judgment that will be poured out on that entity in the last days. Yes, God will judge false religions in the end time. That's why it's something you, you cannot be a part of a false religious system in the end time. That's going to be a, that's a big no-no when it comes to um, being part of the interfaith system and things like that. You do not want to be a part of that when it, in the end time. Now, today we're talking about the third trumpet. I'm going to start with that because it's a very special anniversary. And in Revelation chapter 8, verse 6, it talks about, uh, the Bible says, And the, seventh, the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. This is part of the structural element. Remember, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. So they prepared themselves to sound. When the Lord was showing my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, the interpretation of these prophecies, the seven trumpets, he began with the third trumpet. And so that's where I'm going to begin. And this is going to be the prophecy we'll talk about with the Chernobyl nuclear accident. So Revelation chapter 8 verse 10 through 11 says this. John said, and I saw a, the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven. Now you, you must understand this when you're trying to figure out these prophecies that John 2000 years ago was doing his best to describe an event that would happen just about just 35 years ago now. So he had never seen a, a, he never even heard of anything like a nuclear explosion uh, a Chernobyl nuclear plant. He'd never seen anything like that. So he was doing the best he could to explain this nuclear fire that occurred after the explosion that went one mile into the air. So John was given a vision of this event that happened. And he said, and the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the waters and the fountains of the waters. And the name of this star was called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died because of the waters. And so 
God revealed when he, when my father-in-law was, he was writing a, a manual and I'll talk about it here in a minute after the break, but he was writing a manual and God, he was asking God to help reveal these things to him. And miraculously God did that. God started showing him these things and of the seven trumpets, God showed my father-in-law the third trumpet first. And you'll understand why as I go through here, because once you understand the Chernobyl nuclear accident, then you can kind of build on top of that and figure everything else out. So it really helped that God showed Irvin the first or the third trumpet, and then we'll move from there and go into the other seven. So you'll see how God did it. It's actually pretty miraculous. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Volume 1, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. So I'm going to begin by the third trumpet. We're going through the seven trumpets because today is the 35th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear accident. And I could not skip a day without telling you about this. However, I have a really important announcement. This coming Saturday night, uh, May 1st, from 6 to 8 p.m., I'll be down in Hearst, Texas at the Way of Life uh, Church on 1332 Yates Drive. And I'll be teaching the, the big timeline that we put together, uh, the future according to Bible prophecy, and I'll be showing you the timeline down there. So this May 1st, this coming Saturday evening, 6 to 8 p.m., I'll be down at the Way of Life Church, 1332 Yates Drive in Hearst, Texas. So I look forward to seeing many of you down there. We've got a lot of friends and uh, partners. A lot of people are going to show up. So join us down there. 
this Saturday evening. And I think you'll really enjoy the lesson everywhere we went and taught it. Everybody really enjoys it. They love the timeline. And so it's really neat to see what the future holds. Um, Something you've never seen before. So it's very neat. Now, as my father-in-law was praying and God was uh, going to start showing him these prophecies about the seven trumpets, he started with the third trumpet. This was back in 1995. Uh, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, was working on the first edition of the manual for the course, Understanding the End Time. Well, over time, he had heard that the word Chernobyl was the Russian word for wormwood. And while he was working on this project, he felt the Lord impress him to call the local library to research the topic. Well, he stopped working on the manual and he called the library... And he asked the reference librarian to look up the word, uh, the Russian word for wormwood, to see if it was actually the word Chernobyl. Well, immediately, and this was one of the miraculous parts of the prophecy, she immediately began to rattle off all kinds of stuff about this. She she said, yes, uh, Russians um, use wormwood for medicinal purposes. Wormwood turns the, the tongue black, and the Russian word for black is cherny, so... Consequently, when they discovered at this, they began calling Wormwood Chernobyl. So right off the top of her head, she just rattles all this stuff off. Well, it's not something you would normally hear, all this Russian, uh, you know, definitions and terminology. So her quick response really surprised Irvin. So he asked her to compile some documentation from the books and pages and numbers and get back with him. Well, she actually called him back 15, 20 minutes later, and she, and she had all of it, and she had books, page numbers, and all the information that backed what she had told him. So one reference was the dictionary of the Russian language, and it listed Chernobylnik as, and it defined it as a variety of absinthe, which was in parentheses wormwood with a red, brown, or deep purple stem. And so she just rattled all this off when my father-in-law just thought, this has got to be God. Just, you know, you, when do you ever call a reference librarian and ask her about Chernobyl? Is that the root, a root word for wormwood? And she says, oh, yeah, and rattles all this big string of stuff off. Well, come to find out, she had been studying uh, for a, her, um, a college course on Russian. And so she had just been studying these things. And God said, Irvin, I want you to call the reference librarian at the Morrison Morrison Reeves Library in Richmond, Indiana. And she's going to help you out with this. She was studying Russian right then, folks. And he called her and she rattled off this big bunch of, of definitions and all this thing about Wormwood and Chernobyl. She knew all about it. This was in 95. Now... The Chernobyl nuclear accident had occurred back in 1986. And so God was showing my father-in-law miraculously the interpretation of this prophecy. Now, there was a special uh, New York Times edition that was published in the, the, the uh, Chernobyl nuclear accident happened on April 26, 1986. This New York Times edition was published in July of that year. It was July 26, 1986. There was a title of the article called The Talk of Moscow. 
Chernobyl fallout, an apocalyptic tale and fear. So in the article, and I'm going to take a few excerpts from the article, but it said, hey, Moscow, July 25th, a prominent Russian writer recently produced a tattered old Bible and with a practiced hand, he turned to the book of Revelation. The guy was actually an atheist, but somehow or another, he knew about this and he said, listen, and this was in the New York Times article. He said, listen, this is incredible. And the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. It fell upon the third part of the rivers, upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. In the New, in the New York Times article, it said, in a dictionary, this gentleman showed the Ukrainian word for Wormwood, a bitter wild herb used as tonic in the, in the rural Russia. He said that it is Chernobyl. This is a few months after the Chernobyl nuclear accident. So the New York Times article says the writer, an atheist, was hardly alone in pointing out the apocalyptic reference to the star called Chernobyl. With an uncanny speed common to rumor in the Soviet Union, the discovery had spread across the Soviet land, contributing to the swelling body of lore that has shaped the public consciousness of the disaster at the Chernobyl Chernobyl atomic power plant in the Ukraine. So Chernobyl, you say, well, what was that? Well, that, that was the worst nuclear disaster in the history of the world up to this point. Fox News reported this morning that at 1.23 a.m. on April 26, 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear plant located in the Soviet Republic of Ukraine um, at that time and considered to have been the pride of the Soviet Union began what was supposed to be just a routine safety test. What happened in the next 36 seconds would provide a haunting view of the future. The cooling system in one of the plant's four reactors failed and resulted in two explosions just two seconds apart. And now listen at this. The outcome was considered tantamount to a nuclear earthquake and the equivalent of five... Now this is according to Fox News. The equivalent according of according to equivalent to 500 Hiroshima bombs. And the destruction was and would continue to be immeasurable. So you can imagine 500 Hiroshima bombs. Unbelievable. So the prophecy from Revelation 8, 10 through 11 said that the star by the name of Wormwood was cast into the earth. Well, when the nuclear cloud, as a result of this explosion, was driven one mile into the air, the winds caught the cloud and carried it first into Sweden, then into Italy, then into Germany, then into Great Britain, and it rained incessantly during that time. And we're not sure whether, the, the, whether or not the explosion had anything to do with the rain, but it did rain continuously for about four or five days. Well, as a result, all of the nuclear cesium-137 was brought down to the earth by the rain. Everywhere the rain hit, it created brownouts. 
because of this, there were many places throughout Europe where nothing would be able to grow for the next 100 years. Furthermore, the rivers filled up with the nuclide cesium-137 and anyone who drank or anything who drank the water ingested the nuclide. Well, when the nuclide is ingested, it goes into the person's bone marrow and the rain brought it down and into the waters of Europe. So it was radioactive. So everything it touched became radioactive. There were about 100,000 reindeer that were being raised for consumption throughout Europe that had to be killed because they became radioactive and poisonous. And the people in the areas around Pripyat and this part of the Ukraine, they developed about 248 times the normal rate for thyroid cancer. Many of the many people today continue to suffer from it. And there was an article in um, all, there's several articles about people today that are still suffering from this, the Chernobyl nuclear accident, which was 35 years ago. So um, it is hard, the, the number of casualties now is hard to even measure. Well over 100,000 casualties from it, but many more. I mean, it's estimated that about 2 million people are affected by it. And all of these results have been a direct result of the unprecedented nuclear accident 35 years ago today. Now, on, two, on April 26, 2011, this was on the 25th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear accident, the presidents of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, and Russia, Dmitry Medvedev at the time, they laid the foundation stone for the memorial that was built to, in remembrance of the liquidators. They are the first responders. So think of them as in 911. Remember that when that happened, the trade towers came down. The ambulance um, uh, people, the firefighters, everybody who were the first responders there, we call them in the United States first responders. They call them liquidators over there to go in and put a damp rag on the situation, liquidators. And they built a memorial in remembrance to the liquidators. And on the 25th anniversary, the presidents of Russia and the Ukraine showed up to... um, commemorate these individuals at this memorial and to the Chernobyl nuclear accident. Guess what the name of the memorial is? The Star of Wormwood Memorial. You say, well, hey, some biblical prophecy guru uh, built that Star of Wormwood Memorial. No, they didn't. Totally secular. But yet they called it the Star of Wormwood Memorial. Now, John, 2,000 years ago, said, I I saw a star fall from heaven by the name of Wormwood. There's a star of Wormwood Memorial built today to the liquidators in that region, to the first responders. And, oh yeah, one of the main attractions at the memorial is, now this is the third angel in the book of Revelation. If you, you can go online, look at the star of Wormwood Memorial and the angel that's there. There's about a 30-foot-tall iron angel, and it's blowing a trumpet. And it's called the Chernobyl Angel. These were not put up by biblical prophecy gurus, no. Secular individuals. John said 2,000 years ago, when the third angel sounded, 
that I saw a star fall to earth by the name of Wormwood. So isn't it clear that the Chernobyl nuclear accident was the third trumpet which sounded on April 26, 1986? We believe that it was. So, pretty awesome to celebrate the 35th anniversary of that today. Are you still wondering if we're in the end time or not? I mean, come on, everybody. We're way off into the end time. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy. Do you understand that most of Daniel's and the book of Revelation, those prophecies, have occurred within the last 100 years? Now, some of them were prior to that, but most of them within the last 100 years. So to say, nah, we're not really off in the end time. Nah, come on. We're all smarter than that. We know we're living in the end time. And the seven trumpets is one of the easiest ways for us to prove that. Of course, the modern nations in the Bible and other prophecies, but the seven trumpets is one of the easiest ones for me to prove to you that we're in the end time. So you say, well, that's the third trumpet. What about the first, second, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh trumpet? Well, Revelation 8, verse 8, the Bible says, let's work our way backwards. We started with the third. Let's work our way back. Revelation 8, verse 8, the Bible says, then the second angel sounded. Something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And the third, the third of the sea became blood. Third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So what's it meant by a third of the ships were destroyed? World War II is the greatest disaster in terms of casualties that the world has ever known. There were about uh, just uh, approximately 52 million casualties World War II. And in light of what this prophecy has revealed, we have to ask the question. We know the Chernobyl nuclear accident in 1986 was the third trumpet. Well, in this one, how many ships were destroyed? Well, in World War II... You have to look at that. So when my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, was trying to piece all this together, he asked his research assistant at that time. She still sends me information periodically after all these years. Her name was Kathy. She sent him, her to research the information. Well, after many trips to several libraries, working with research assistants and uh, different reference librarians at those facilities... Kathy came back to present the results to my father-in-law. So, and what they found out was there are a hundred, there were 105,127 ships that participated in World War II, and 36,387 ships were sank. So, if you calculate those quantities, you find that the total of ships that sank equaled about one third of the total that participated. And so this is one of the proofs that lets us know that World War II was trumpet number two. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, isn't this miraculous? It's, it's amazing to me that 2,000-year-old prophecies, 2,500-year-old prophecies, we've lived through these. This, the Chernobyl nuclear accident happened about, what, uh, April, May, about a month and a half before I graduated high school. I lived through that. I remember when that Chernobyl nuclear accident happened. I graduated in May, on May 30th of 1986. This happened April 26th, 1986. And so I've lived through one of the most recognizable prophecies that have ever occurred that we know of in my lifetime. And it's a 2,000-year-old prophecy that's been fulfilled. Now, World War II happened prior, obviously, to me being born. I was born in 1968. That ended in 1945. So it's about 1938 to 1945, World War II. That is the second trumpet. The, the rest of the prophecy, I read you the, the first part, the rest of the prophecy, Revelation 8, verse 8 through 9, says that it would be like a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. Now, again, you got to remember, John, 2,000 years ago, is trying to explain modern-day warfare and different things that were happening. He was doing the best he could. So when he says, hey, it was like a mountain of fire cast into the sea, he had never seen a bomb go off. He had never heard anything called a bomb. And yet he's trying to describe this. Now, many of you and myself, I've seen pictures of nuclear explosions, and they look like a huge mountain of fire. The events of World War II were so catastrophic, it it isn't far-fetched to believe the Bible would prophesy about them, right? I mean, the nuclear explosion at Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the sinking of one-third of the ships that participated in, it makes it seem obvious that the second trumpet prophecy was World War II. So if the second trumpet was World War II, then it's obvious we got to consider World War I was the first trumpet. Uh, Revelation 8, 7. Uh, the Bible says the first angel sounded and there were followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and all the third of the trees were burned up and all the grass was burned up. So up until the 20th century, there had never even been a war with anywhere near the casualties of World War I. 
World War I was considered the Great War because by the time it ended, there were just over 8 million casualties. And it was a, a totally unprecedented war. Consider the kind of equipment that was used to fight World War I. There, there were bombs and huge guns. It was also the first time poisonous gas was used in a wartime conflict. Uh, submarines, aerial bombardment that were used during a war. I mean, this, this prophecy states that all green gra- grass was burned up. Do you remember when, um, back when you were in school, now, m- m- maybe my age beyond, I don't know if they teach this today, they might. But um, they, you, do you remember studying about the scorched earth policy? Most, most of World War I was fought between France and Germany. So the scorched earth policy said that, hey, if you lose a territory, you don't leave anything for the enemy. You burn everything up so that they can't, there's no resources that are left for the enemy to live off of the ground. You just burn it all up. So World War I was the first time also that biological weapons were ever used. It was unprecedented warfare. And because of this evidence, we've come to the conclusion that World War I was the first trumpet. That would have been uh, 1914 to 1918, 1919, somewhere in there. So, the first trumpet, World War I, 8.2 million dead. In 6,000 years of recorded human history, there had never been a war that come anywhere near that amount of casualties. Second trumpet, World War II, 52 million dead. Third of the ships destroyed. Great mountain burning with fire, a nuclear bomb. So it all fits. Then the third trumpet was the Chernobyl nuclear explosion. So all, of the, all three were significant and catastrophic events that changed the course of history. So if the first three trumpets were as had been indicated, then we can know about trumpets four, five, six, and seven. What do we know about them? Well, I'm going to present them, these trumpets in the same order as God did the first three out of order. <laughs> in other words, they didn't start with one. I'm going to go through seven. I did them out of order because... I want to show you how God revealed these two, these prophecies to Irvin Baxter. That's the, way they, that's the way they make more sense. God showed it to him in certain order. That's how we teach the prophecy. So we're going to skip the fifth. We're going to skip to the fifth. I'm going to skip the fourth one. Revelation 9 verse 1 and 2 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit. There arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So if you, um, I actually lived through this one as well in 1990-91. I remember the Saddam Hussein uh, going into Kuwait. I remember hearing about that. I wasn't really following the news at that point. But... Everybody knew about Saddam Hussein going into Kuwait and, and all these different things that were happening. Saddam Hussein, in my mind, a bad guy, you know, didn't know much about him, but he was a bad guy. So in 1991, Saddam Hussein, he was the president of Iraq. He invaded Kuwait to take control of the oil riches in that area because he was trying to reestablish uh, the Babylonian Empire. And he thought, well, hey, if I can get the, the they had, a, Iraq already had oil riches but yet he thought if I can get gain the um, it, by obtaining the oil in Kuwait, that would provide the increased riches that would be needed to rebuild Babylon. 
And it was a plan toward which he had already launched efforts. Well, in the fall of 1990, the coalition forces led by the United States, they fought against Hussein and began to drive him out of Kuwait. Well, Hussein knew that he could not win against the firepower of the United States and the U.S. allies. So before he withdrew, he set 700 of the world's richest oil wells on fire. And when these oil wells began to burn, the smoke from the fires produced actually, they they actually blocked the sun and the sky for three months. Now, it's in the desert. Think about Kuwait, Iraq, desert over there. And for three months, the middle of the day looked like midnight. That's how dark it was. There's actually pictures in Time Magazine and different things where during the day, the street lights on some of the cities were on because it was so dark. I'm talking about midday in desert cities. So this information obviously is significant because the Bible says that the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, we don't know of any other time in history that could fulfill this particular prophecy so exact. But you've also got to consider the rest of the, pa- of the passage here. Revelation 9, 3 says, And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them were given power, as scorpions of the earth have power. Now, if you try to look at this like there were literal locust that had a literal tail like a scorpion, and, and I've actually seen, there's a movie back when I seen, I, back at the end of the 70s, I think, that depicted something like this. If you try to do this literal, you're going to be way messed up. But if you understand the symbolism of it, and John, 2,000 years ago, was trying to describe modern day implements of warfare the best he could. He goes on to say, and the shapes of the locust were like unto horses prepared into battle. And on their heads were the crowns like gold, their faces as the faces of men. And they had hair like women, they they had teeth like teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as it were the sound of chariots, of many horses running to battle. So, you have to ask yourself, and I don't have any graphics with me, but is it possible that John saw helicopters or jet airplanes? The, The prophecies John wrote about were represented by multiple symbols. And it's not far-fetched to think that these symbols do indeed represent helicopters or jet airplanes. Now, I've seen helicopters that look identical to a locust flying across there. And if you hear if there's 10, 20, 30 of them, they sound like chariots going to battle. They, They really do. And he had never seen any of this kind of machinery. So he couldn't know what they were. He's doing his best to describe a helicopter. Think about it. But he he described them as locusts with breastplates of iron, faces of men, and the sound of their wings as the sound of many chariots going to battle. So it appears as if John was describing modern-day implements, modern-day warfare from the 20th century. And from this evidence, we've come to the conclusion that the fifth trumpet sounded at the time of these events, the Iraq nuclear war with Saddam Hussein in 1991. Now, I could go into 
The name Saddam means the destroyer. The Bible says they had the king over them by the name of the destroyer. I'm not going to have time to go all of that in great, great depth. But we've got DVDs, the, the Seven Trumpets DVD that you can purchase that goes into all this very in, in uh, intricate detail. So, very important. And also, to go, th- go another um, product that goes through all of this in great detail is the Revelation commentary that we just finished. It's out now. It's, we can't keep them on the shelves. They're just flying off the shelves. People are buying them like crazy. And if you'd like to get your copy of Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one and two, like I say, they are available now and you can purchase yours, go through the, understand the book of Revelation. Finally, I've got pastors that are telling me, yes, this is helping me understand. They're showing it in their churches. It's awesome. And these prophecies have helped them to be able to teach them in their churches where prior to that they had never taught out of some of these, the major portions of the book of Revelation. You understand? And so it's very important. That's why we do so many prophecy conferences because some, I've had so many pastors over the years just say, look, there's, I just, I don't know. You guys come in, teach it, and we're all going to be happy. And plus, it's our goal to sign up Bible studies when we go to the churches. That's our goal. Our goal to do in conferences is to win souls with it. And so uh, it all works hand in hand, and and, uh, we're building the kingdom of God. So if you'd like a copy of the Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, they are available. Call and purchase your copy today or go to the store at endtime.com. Now, we've covered uh, the trumpets, one, two, three, and five. What about four? Well, Four is a little harder to, um, to interpret. Uh, my father-in-law had pretty much understood all of them except for number four for a very long time. Revelation eight twelve, the Bible says, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, third part of the stars, so that as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So if you remember... Back in Matthew 24, verse 22, Jesus said, And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh shaved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So when, when did the fourth trumpet sound? So it, it, it let us know that the, not the amount of days would be shortened, but the length of the day. Now, God actually revealed this prophecy to my mother-in-law. And so I'm going to give you the account my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, told me. And I'll talk, I'm going to a break. We'll talk about it here in just a moment. But um, if you really want to understand and get these things, again, in great detail, you can purchase the um, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Call 1-800-END-TIME-363-8463 um, or go to www.endtime.com. Go to the store and you can purchase them right now, both volumes. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Now, again, you've got to understand, my father-in-law understood the trumpets one, two, three, five, six, seven, but not four. And he told me, I've talked about them many times. And he said, Dave, he said, I didn't understand this prophecy for quite some time. And he said, out of concern for me, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were great prayer warriors. And I hope you understand what I'm saying here because they were very spiritual people. They listened to God. They were spirit-led individuals. So they, were, they, they prayed a lot and studied God's word. So my father-in-law told me, he said, look, out of concern for me, my wife, uh, my, 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 he said his wife, my mother-in-law, prayed and asked God to reveal the answer because he was trying to write manuals and different things on this but he didn't understand this prophecy. So my mother-in-law was praying and asked God, please reveal the answer to my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter. And he said one day after she had been out shopping and doing whatever, she came home and told me that the Lord had spoken to her about this prophecy and said that he had already shortened the days. And he said after much consideration about whether God had shortened the amount of days or the length of each day, He said, I realized God wasn't saying that he had shortened the amount of days. And he knew that because not one prophecy is going to contradict another. You understand? So he said, I knew this because of Daniel chapter 12, verse 11 through 12, which says, and from the time that the daily sacrifice was taken away and the abomination of desolation um, of the abomination that make a desolate is set up, that there's going to be 1290 days. So there's going to be 1,290 days from the time of the abomination of desolation to the battle of Armageddon. And the passage goes on to say, blessed is he that waits and cometh to the 1,335th day. So the abomination of, uh, of desolation has not occurred yet. So God would not contradict his word nor change his word. The Bible says, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. So this convinced my father-in-law that God would not change the number of days. It appeared that what God meant by what he said was that he told my mother-in-law was that he had shortened the amount of the time of each day. So about a week later, uh, my father-in-law and my my mother-in-law, Judy, uh, were eating in a restaurant and a professor that we all knew from Richmond, Indiana, he uh, followed a lot of our teaching material. He'd come to prophecy conferences and things He was in there eating. Well, when my mother-in-law saw him, she asked him about what she had uh, felt like God had spoke to her about the mathematical equation of, hey, if the the Lord has shortened the days, how can a guy and shorten the time or sped the time up? How could somebody that was running a a, a four-minute mile still run the four-minute mile? And he asked her if she understood Einstein's theory of relativity. 
and explain that time and speed are relative to one another. When one speeds up, the other speeds up. Well, it's like as if, hey, that just explains it, right? Well, about a week later in a phone conversation, Irvin Baxter uh, and a friend had a conversation. This guy was an engineer. And Irvin explained the conversation between he and my mother-in-law about this, um, the, the, a guy running a four-minute mile, but the Lord had shortened the days. How is that even possible? Well, this, this guy who was an engineer, he brought up Einstein's theory of relativity. And so my father-in-law went out and bought some books on Einstein's theory of relativity. You know, he joked all the time that, hey, I bought the books, but never got around to reading them. I've actually got one of them in my office. The, one of the original books that he bought. They gave that to me when he passed away. But based on the information that he, the, my, our, uh, the scientist and the engineering friend that shared concerns of, uh, concerning Einstein's theory of relativity, it appears that Irvin Baxter's wife, Judy, was right all along. God did, in fact, speak to her that the Lord had shortened the days and sped time up. And I've got an article about 1989, the year that changed the world, and that um, time actually, uh, that, that the world just seemed faster and quicker, and that it was moving along with the process of globalization and a lot of things that happened. So uh, it helps us to understand these prophecies. Now, we know the third trumpet sounded in 1986 with the Chernobyl nuclear accident, and we also understand the fifth trumpet sounded during 1991 with Saddam Hussein and the Iraq war. So now you understand why God showed Irvin these things, not in order, not one through seven, but differently. Because in this one, you use the dates kind of to help confirm some of the teaching. So the fourth trumpet had to have sounded sometime between 86 and 91. Well, what major event happened during that time that was related to the days being shortened? Well, Back in 1968, God had revealed to Irvin that the Berlin Wall would come down and Germany would be reunited and that that would be the beginning of the New World Order and that it would be a historical turning point. It would be the catalyst that would launch us into the New World Order. Well, that absolutely came to pass in intricate detail. And he actually published this information in his first book in 1986, A Message for the President. That revelation is what prompted us to start End Time Magazine in 91 because he felt it was the beginning of the end time, which it in fact was, that and other prophecies. Well, in 1989, in reference to the 10th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall and the beginning of the New World Order, Merrill Lynch printed a full-page ad in the USA Today that said, the world is 10 years old today, as if it started in 89, right? Congratulations. Happy birthday. Well, so Irvin was then listening to a speech by Tony Blair. He was the founder of the Tony Blair Foundation. And he said, hey, globalization began with the fall of the Berlin Wall. The fall of the Berlin Wall was such a, a, a pivotal event in history. So he wondered if that could have been the, the time that God sped everything up. And though in an actual event that coincides with the amount of the time in a day of being shortened... That still remains unclear. My father-in-law believed that the event had to have happened around the same time of the fall of the Berlin Wall. The uh, London School of Economics. This is the article I wanted to bring up. 
and political science. They published an article titled, The Global 89, The Year That Changed the World. And it says this, and I'm going to quote. It says, as such, the shifts and reconfigurations of social, economic, and political power associated with the year 1989, dramatic and extensive, though these things have been, remain unlocked primarily within existing relation configurations. To put this old language, the organic tendencies of the old have reasserted themselves into a new context on a vaster scale. 1989 may have sped up world historical time, but it marked neither its end nor its beginning. Rather like the bionic man, the post-1989 era is quicker, stronger, faster. We have seen the acceleration of the means of organizing politics, economics, social life, but not their reformulation. So, what did the, what did the professor and the engineer tell my father-in-law? The Einstein, the theory of Einstein's theory of relativity, time and speed go together. One speeds up, the other speeds up. So time is sped up. We just don't know it. That was the sounding of the fourth trumpet. Now, you say, well, Irvin Baxter already understood the sixth and seventh trumpet. Not that they had already occurred. The sixth and seventh trumpet are ahead of us. The first five have already occurred. The sixth trumpet. Um, has not occurred yet. Revelation 9, 13 through 16. The Bible says, Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the golden altar stand in the presence of God. And the, the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. Then the four angels who had been prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. This is the New Living Translation. And I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. So the prophecy tells us three things. There's going to be a war that kills one-third of all of mankind. That right now would be about, what, 2.5 to 2.6 billion people. It's a prophesied war, folks. It's going to happen. The war will start in the Euphrates River region, which is in, housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Right there in where the most volatile region on the planet. Number three, the number of one of the armies will, that will participate will be 200,000, 200 million men. Or, or women, possibly. And men and women. And the Bible says that the war will start from the Euphrates River region... Four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. So when those angels are loosed, the war that will include 200 million, um, 200 million man army will begin and kill one third of all of mankind. And again, the Euphrates River, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. And there continues to be a tremendous amount of turmoil in the Middle East. Uh, and it does not look as if it will end any day soon. I mean, look at what's going on over there with Iran's aspirations to get a nuclear weapon, the largest state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. And the U.S. has tens of thousands of troops stationed in the Middle East along the Euphrates River as we speak. And 100% of the river runs through the Middle East territory. So it seems obvious that Islam, the 1.5 to 1.6 or 1.7 billion people, will be involved in that war. 
and also a 200 million men army. Islam, China, or the uh, or is or India have enough population to field 200 million soldiers? So, but we don't know which one of those nations that's going to come from. It's possible that it could be Islam and China. Uh, it could be India. Since the war will uh, kill one-third of, the, of all humanity, the Bible says it will happen, and it's going to happen before the Battle of Armageddon. These are two separate wars. So with conditions as they are, it could happen at any moment. Really, it could, folks. And it appears that this event will be catastrophic enough to be the one that sounds the sixth trumpet. That brings us to the seventh trumpet, which is one that if you're saved, if you're born again... This is the one that you're looking forward to. Revelation eleven fifteen and 18, the Bible says, And the seventh age are sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give rewards to the servants and the prophets and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them, which destroy the earth. So when the seventh trumpet sounds, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. No more human world government. It's going to be God's government here on the earth. God's wrath will come. Rewards will be given to the saints. And this is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's very important that we understand on this 35th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear accident back on April 26, 1986. That was the third trumpet. The first five trumpets have already occurred. The sixth and seventh one are just ahead of us now. And do you need proof that we're living in the end time? A lot of people ask. You tell them we're living in the end time, they say, oh yeah, prove it. The seven trumpets, if you understand this prophecy, is one of the easiest ways to prove conclusively that we're living in the end time. And along with all the other prophecies that are happening right now, it's so easy to see, everybody. We are, in fact, living in the end time. I want to thank you for joining me today and say God bless to each and every one. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.